0: You're listening to the Burke and Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast. The place I go to get my fantasy fulfilled. The best analysis, advice, and opinions on fantasy football that you can't find anywhere else. Let the fantasy begin. Hi, you're listening to Ms. Montalban. I'm here today to bring you the latest signings, injuries, and breaking news. Thank you for joining me. Let's get started. Getting right into the breaking news on this Monday night. The first line of business is Miles Sanders injures his knee, and he's going to miss the Thursday night game. And it's you know at first it looked like he might miss more, like a couple weeks or so. And now they're saying it could just be this week, which is great news if you're a Miles Sanders owner. And i got to be honest, you know, that, that run that he had, you know, running it all the way to, like, the two-yard line and then uh, getting the ball knocked out and J.J. Sega whiteside jumps on it for the touchdown. And, and that was actually the play that he hurt his knee on. Uh, it, it was heartbreaking because you're like, yeah, he's going. He's going to get, you know, a touchdown and get all these fantasy points for all the Miles Sanders owners. And then, nope, got, you know, vultured by Sega uh, Whiteside on that fumble. And, and, you know, he fumbled. And, and I think if he didn't fumble, they'd probably just give him the ball to score. But uh, at the time, obviously, he didn't know he was injured. So that wouldn't have happened because uh, he got hurt after that and didn't return. And that's too bad. Miles Sanders has had some pretty brutal matchups and has done quite well for on both of those matchups. You know, the Steelers two weeks ago, Ravens this week or this last week. And then was going to be facing the Giants on Thursday night. And I think he would have had an amazing game this Thursday night. Um, definitely an easier matchup than what he's had. But uh, no, it's not going to happen. Uh, he's not going to play. So all you Boston Scott owners out there, if, if there are any, uh, you, you got to be a little happy w- with uh, that uh, scenario, having uh, him be able to, to play. But... Having said that, I don't think that Boston Scott's going to be the main running back. You know, I do think they throw Corey Clement in there a little bit. And, uh, you know, they they use Boston Scott for what he's good at receiving out of the backfield. And Corey Clement's going to get more of the uh, rushing volume. So we'll see how it plays out. But uh, by no means do I I think, you know, one running back just takes over the workload of Miles Sanders. Uh, Raheem Mostert is headed to the IR with a high ankle sprain. And this is a thing that's kind of maddening about Raheem Mostert. He he was been on the IR the last two years, and you know he came in being the guy this year because of how great his postseason was. He was he missed already a couple games this season. Uh, I believe it was week three and four, perhaps, uh, due to an injury, and you know he already shares the workload with, you know, the other running backs in the San Francisco backfield. So I he just is so dynamic that you're going to start him and, and he's a, a good play. But this is the second time now and he's going to be out. And you're going to have Jarek McKinnon again taking over the workload. And uh, Jarek McKinnon was one of those guys where he was kind of a, a scary start because of the return of Mostert. And Mostert just gave it right back to him, which you know, mustard I think is definitely a better running back at this stage in their careers than McKinnon. But McKinnon's serviceable, and you know, you're still going to see, uh, you're still going to see Jeff Wilson in there. You're still going to see Jamichael Hasty. He's uh, he's been getting carries, the former Baylor running back back in the day. So it's a. Uh, it, the the 49ers is basically going to be McKinnon and uh, everyone else in that backfield. Uh, that's the good thing about the Niners, you know. If they have a running back, they're, they're probably going to use him at some point in, in their games that they have. Jarek McKinnon, I, I think, you know, if he's on the waiver wire, he's definitely worth a pickup. But at this point, I don't think someone dropped him yet from the last time that they had him. So, again, if he's available pick him up, if not, then... You know, oh well, uh, he, he he should probably be started from here on out till Monster gets back. Taylor Luan, he's out with the torn ACL, out for the year. That's kind of devastating for the Titans because they're such a run-heavy team, and Taylor Luan was really good at run blocking, and now that's uh, that's going to really chip into their depth. And you wonder, you know, how well they're going to be able to protect Tannehill and how uh, how they're Run blocking is going to look because run blocking is definitely one of those things where the offensive line works as a unit, and you know, it, it didn't seem to affect Derrick Henry much uh, against the Houston Texans. It didn't matter who was in there, he was rushing all over them, which we'll get to later, but it's definitely a blow. Uh, for the Titans Devin Bush is out for the Steelers and with that defense that's kind of a blow because they were so great at defending the tight end position and the slot receivers Uh, and part of that was because of Devin Bush he just matched up really well uh, against those uh, those inside receiving options and now you wonder if that will still be the same or if teams will start kind of trying to pick on that part of the field so definitely worth you know uh Checking out the rest of the season to see if that's the case. Uh, but, you know, the the ferocious Steeler defense, and they did look ferocious against the Browns, doesn't look as ferocious anymore. Um, the Titans, they're looking like they're going to be fined for the outbreak of, their, of the COVID in their facility. And I don't know if it's just going to be fines or draft picks or what. It, you know, there's been rumors that the NFL is not going to lay the hammer down on them. Uh, like they probably should with uh, how bad it was managed early on. But, you know, guys aren't testing positive anymore, so it's, you know, short memory by the NFL. It's like, let's just get back to normal and sweep it under the rug. And that's probably what they're going to do. They'll probably fine them a little bit and, you know, pretend like it never happened at at this point. So um there's good games tonight. We'll, we'll get into everything else uh, here in our next segments. The Burke and Ms. Goats of the Week. Here we go. As always, we'll get right into our quarterback goats of the week. And overall, across the board, kind of a low-scoring week six. Just, uh, you know, between running backs, receivers, quarterbacks, it, it was really just a slow week. Not a lot of really big games. There were a couple, but overall, it just uh, scoring was down in fantasy football, and I'm sure your, you know, your team and other teams had really low scoring weeks because of that. But our go to the week, our number three was Ryan Tannehill versus Houston. He just went off, 30 for 41, 364 yards, four touchdowns. He did have one interception, had a fumble, but overall, 364 yards and four touchdowns. You know, a couple to A.J. Brown, uh, Furkser Fir- uh, got one. It just uh, really, he, Ryan Tannehill's still efficient. And I talked about it last week, about the uh, efficiently efficient. And he was in this game too. And it's just, Ryan Tannehill is on fire. He, he's, he's a top five quarterback. And uh, you need to be playing him every week if you have him. Because he's not slowing down. He's, he's playing the Steeler defense next week and I just think the mix of the run and the pass, it doesn't matter who they play. They're uh, they're going to put up points, and Ryan Tannehill's going to put up points. So Big week by him against Houston, and, and Houston's a, a team that he usually torments, and he did that again. And speaking of that exact same game, our number two GOAT of the week was Deshaun Watson. On the other side, it was a losing effort, but he was a 28 for 37 for 335 yards and four touchdowns. He also carried the ball for four times for 26 yards, but uh, it's really the four touchdowns that made the difference. And, you know, he, he hit Darren Fells. He hit Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller. Um, yeah, basically hit Randall Cobb. He hit everybody. <laughs> He's like, touchdown for you. There's a touchdown for you. It's like Oprah Winfrey at uh, one of her uh, viewing shows uh, just <laughs> handing out touchdowns to everybody. That was Deshaun Watson, and uh, he had a great week. My number one GOAT of the week is none other than Matt Ryan against the Vikings, and and the Vikings' pass defense is horrid, so we knew Matt Ryan was due for a big game, but uh, 30 for 40 for 371 yards and four touchdowns. And, yeah, Matt Ryan just, he, you know, two to Julio, you know, when, you know when Julio Jones is finding the end zone that uh, you're having a big day. Uh, Hayden Hurst, Calvin Ridley, they, they, were, uh, they all scored touchdowns, and it was because of Matt Ryan throwing it to them. So good job, Matt Ryan, and you are our number one Goat of the Week, and it was a great performance. Yeah. Right into our running back Goats of the Week, our number three Goat of the Week is DeAndre Swift at the Jacksonville Jaguars. DeAndre Swift ran the ball only 14 times but it didn't matter he had 116 yards and two touchdowns he also got three receptions for seven yards which not really a factor in the receiving aspect but um, you know I I don't want to make too big a deal about it but DeAndre Swift was kind of a non-factor early in the season and it's almost like They're realizing that DeAndre Swift is a good running back and probably needs to start taking away some of the workload from Adrian Peterson. You you saw Adrian Peterson early, score a touchdown, and then after that it was just all DeAndre Swift. And Roethlisberger and Stafford, I think, kind of had similar games because they were both lined up to have huge passing games. But the fact that their teams were just rushing all over the opponent, there was no need. So... He uh, saw the touchdowns go to the running game, and DeAndre Swift was a big part of that. And I think moving forward, you're going to start seeing that shift a little bit where DeAndre Swift's going to start taking over more of that workload. And that's good news, to be honest, because, I, I again, I think Swift's a talented back, and Detroit just, for whatever reason, I mean, I, I get Adrian Peterson is a all-time great running back, but uh, at this stage in his career, I, I think he's better in a... a Kind of a 1b role and uh, he, he was taking over that 1a a little bit too much for my liking number two and can't believe he made the list i'm really excited you might think i'm not excited because i've been dogging this person all season and even telling people that you know they need to look for other options and replacements because of how bad he was playing but he probably heard me and gave me the big middle finger because it's a kenyan drake at dallas He had 20 carries for 164 yards, two touchdowns. Kenyon Drake, my man, I appreciate you showing me up and having a big game because fantasy owners everywhere are excited about that, which they should be. They drafted him high. He finally produced. Uh, Everything can, you know, the alignment of running backs can commence and people that have Kenyon Drake on their rosters can you know keep throwing them out there and i'm hoping that this cardinals offense is evolving to the point where they can see how they can use Kenyon drake and start using him and giving him a lot more volume uh, but this was a great day and i guess that's why i don't want to get carried away though because it was against dallas and dallas you know gives up a lot of big performances against everybody but Kenyon Drake's had good matchups previously and wasn't able to capitalize. So I think against anybody, you know, you see him doing what he did today. You're hoping for a little bit more of that earlier in the season, and uh, he's on the right path. And, of course, number one, we probably don't even need to talk about it. Everybody knows who it was. It was so good that I even predicted that he would be the number one star this week. Derrick Henry versus Houston. Uh, He had 212 yards on 22 carries for two touchdowns. A big 94-yard touchdown run. And even had, you know, a couple catches for 52 yards. Just a dominant performance. Derrick Henry always, <laughs> that's the thing, J- Jaguars, Houston Texans, Derrick Henry has dominant performances against these guys all the time. So uh, it was good to see. He's a fun running back to watch. He's just so big. You know, you try to get him high, he's going to stiff arm you. you try to get him low, you bounce off of him. So he's, he's, really, he's really hard to tackle, and uh, defenses have their work cut out for him when, uh, when they go up against the Titans. <laughs> now it's time for our wide receiver goats of the week. Our number three goat was tonight, Christian Kirk at Dallas. Only had three targets. Caught two of those for 86 yards and two touchdowns. That's efficient. I don't think you can be more efficient than just whatever pass you get, just taking it to the house and scoring a touchdown. But that's what Christian Kirk did twice. So he has a, was 100% on t- uh, scoring touchdowns on the ones that he caught. And it was, you know, Kyler Murray didn't really have a good day, except for those two uh, passes he threw to Christian Kirk. So, uh, it was good to see Christian Kirk come out of the doldrums. But, again, it's still kind of worrisome. Like, you know, you're probably happy if you did play him. Uh, and you probably played him because you didn't really have a lot of options. But if you play them, you know, you're excited about the production. But then you're looking at, you know, three targets, two catches. Like, are you are you going to expect, you know, 80-something yards and two touchdowns on that consistently? Um, it's really starting to concern me, Christian Kirk's uh, amount of targets that he gets. So... You know, rejoice, he had a great week, but at the same time, be kind of leery because he's going to need a lot more targets to uh, put up, you know, any type of numbers like this in the future. Number two is Julio Jones at Minnesota. He was targeted 10 times. He had eight catches for 137 yards and two touchdowns. No, I said it. I said it. I know you don't believe that I said it, but it it was two touchdowns. And that's way better than the previous five weeks where he scored zero touchdowns. And, uh, you know, I think any time that Hulu Jones has a game where he scores a touchdown, he's going to be a top play, uh, or at least top receiver of the week, because his volume is just outrageous. He gets a bunch of yards all the time, and the only thing that holds him back is his ability to score. And that changed this week, you know, two touchdowns, Masterful performance Everyone was in the Calvin Ridley camp Which Ridley didn't do bad necessarily I was in the Ridley camp on this one But uh, I just didn't expect to see Old Julio Jones uh, Sneaking out there And uh, getting in the end zone Uh, Good for him And he was our number 2 star Or our number 2 GOAT Our number 1 GOAT is Justin Jefferson Against Atlanta So he was on the other side of Julio Jones He had 11 targets for 9 catches, 166 yards, and 2 touchdowns. And I don't have enough adjectives to describe Justin Jefferson right now. He's just on another level. And I was worried at the beginning of the season with him about him not being able to play the slot uh, as much in this offense and not being as effective. And he's turning into one of the better rookies of the year. Not just rookie, but one of the better receivers of the year. And this is the third time where he's had a pretty good game, and this is the second time he's had a monster game where he's been in one of the tops of the week. So uh, you can't ask for more than that, especially from a Minnesota Vikings receiver. So it's good to see what Justin Jefferson's doing, and he's going to be an exciting player to watch for, for years to come. So here's our tight end Goats of the Week. And our f- number three GOAT of the week is Anthony Ferkser against Houston. And you'd probably like, who is that? He's a tight end for the Tennessee Titans. And we were really high on Janu Smith this week. And that was the reason why we were high on him, because Janu Smith got hurt. Anthony Ferkser took over and proceeded to get eight catches on nine targets for 113 yards and a touchdown. So big game by him, surprising game by him, and uh, definitely benefited from uh, Janu Smith's injury on this one. Uh, you know, it's uh, a good tight end, though. He, uh, he, he's he been sneaking uh, t- uh, touchdowns from Janu Smith a, a lot last year. Did it, you know, a couple times this year, and now that he's, you know, the number one tight end role for, uh, for a little bit until Smith gets back. I mean, he's, he can have these type of productions. So it's a good week for uh, for Anthony Ferkser. A number two tight end goat of the week is Trey Burton for the Colts against Cincinnati. And this one makes me especially proud because he was one of my pickups of the week. And when you have a pickup of the week, one of the top tight ends of the week that uh makes you feel pretty good and uh in my other pickup of the week uh Darren fells was also you know in the top five so uh really good uh if if you took some of that advice uh you did really well in in streaming your tight ends this week Trey Burton though had uh five targets, four catches for fifty eight yards and and a touchdown, but he also carried the ball at the one yard line on a carry and uh, yeah, scored a touchdown there, too, so he had two touchdowns. So, big day for Trey Burton, and with the injury of Mo Alley-Cox, the way Phillip Rivers likes to throw the tight end, he's definitely relevant, and he'll continue to be relevant until Mo Alley-Cox comes back, because Jack Doyle, you know, he could be a good tight end, but uh, he definitely isn't that great at uh, at receiving. And he hurt his hand, so, you know, I don't know how that's going to affect Jack Doyle, but... I think that means more for Trey Burton in the meantime. Number one goat of the week is none other than Travis Kelsey. He had a great matchup against Buffalo, and he took advantage of it. He did have a fumble, so if you take away that fumble, it was even a bigger day. But uh, he had five catches for 62 yards and two touchdowns. And, I mean, I'd like to build that up and be more excited about this, but, you know, Travis Kelsey... This is what we expected kind of in this type of matchup. We knew the receivers were going to be kind of shut out a little bit by the Bills and that it uh, would fall on uh, you know, Travis Kelsey in the middle to produce. And the good news is, he sure did. Burke and Ms. the Wiz Maltabon, Ghosts of the Week. Let's get this started. All right, these uh, Ghosts of the Week, it's definitely summer times because... A lot of these guys had really good matchups. You expected big things. Didn't happen. But uh, going right into our number three ghost of the week, it's Ben Roethlisberger versus the Cleveland Browns. And this was kind of a weird ghost of the week because, I mean, he looked amazing. Uh, You know, he was really efficient. The issue is they just didn't pass the ball. They got a huge lead on Cleveland. And, you know, they had three rushing touchdowns, had a defensive touchdown there really wasn't a need for Roethlisberger to do anything. So, I mean, he only had 14 completions for on 22 attempts, had 162 yards and one touchdown, and that one touchdown was to James Washington on a beautiful out-and-go. That kind of fooled the defense. He rushed the ball three times for five yards. Just overall, like I said, efficient game, but they were ahead so fast. That uh, he really didn't need to do anything in this game. My number two ghost of the week at quarterback. This is the opposite, where his team got destroyed, and he just wasn't effective. But this, he actually got benched. Baker Mayfield at Pittsburgh. He was 10 for 18 for 190 yards. Had one touchdown to Hollywood Higgins. Had the two interceptions, one that was taken back to the house. And then he had a five-yard run on top of that. and Like I said, Baker Mayfield got benched in this one for Case Keenum and just was under pressure the whole time. I mean, he dropped back. He was just getting abused back there. I don't think, you know, the Cleveland offensive line couldn't protect him. And uh, he didn't have time to throw the ball. And he wasn't. He didn't have time to make reads, and he wasn't making good reads. So, really tough day for Baker Mayfield in this one. And and this was the game that you know Cleveland was supposed to, uh, you know, show that they were a team to be reckoned with in the AFC, and kind of just went out with a whimper in this one. You know, the, the Steelers just manhandled them, and you wanted a better performance if you're a Cleveland Browns fan. Number one ghost of the week is Aaron Rodgers at Tampa Bay. No one saw this coming. They they knew it was a tough matchup against Tampa Bay. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers is one of those guys that it doesn't really matter about the matchup. But he was 16 for 35. Like more than I mean, he was under 50% passing. Only had 160 yards, two interceptions, ran the ball for 14 yards. Just a an atrocious day all around for Aaron Rodgers. You know, they they put up the first 10 points. You thought the Packers were, you know, going to start rolling. And then the opposite happened. It was just a sledgehammer, and the Buccaneers just did uh, did whatever they wanted to the rest of the way through. And uh, tough game for Aaron Rodgers, but uh, y- you know he'll uh, he'll bounce back after this one. It's you know their first defeat, so I think people get uh, a tendency to get a little excited about that and think the world's ending. But the Packers will be just fine. It was just one of those rough games, and uh, uh, you know they'll, they'll come right back this week and probably win. moving right along to our running back goats of the week we have a lot of ghosts at running back it was kind of a tough decision to make but these are the three that i expect a, a little bit more and in some cases a lot more our number three devin singletary versus kansas city and i thought he had a good play here zach moss was just coming back and i wasn't sure how effective he would be he wasn't very effective so i you know, receiving wise, rushing wise, I thought Singletary would get a lot of action and he didn't. He only had 10 rushes for 32 yards. Was targeted twice in the passing game for, you know, 13 yards, had one catch. Just a really horrid day for Devin Singletary. And it yeah, it was tough to see um you know, Buffalo hung in there all the way to the end, but uh, just couldn't pull it out and they're, you know, Josh Allen basically kind of their their rushing offense, and you just would like to see Devin Singletary step up in in a game like this, and it just it didn't happen. Number two is Damian Harris for uh, against Denver. They were at home, and you know he's taking over the Sony Michelle role. So let's hope he doesn't take over the Sony Michelle production. Uh, I don't think so. I you know Denver's pretty good at defending the running back position. Uh, but 6 for 19, uh, and only had one reception for 14 yards. I expect bigger things from Damian Harris in the future, and uh, just chalk this up to an anomaly. I think he's a good back, and uh, Denver just is a good matchup, so uh, it's hard to expect a lot from that running back. My number one ghost of the week is definitely deserved. We expected big things from him. I actually expected really big things from him, which we'll talk about later. But it's Alexander Madison, the Minnesota Vikings running back, was playing Atlanta, and man, 10 for 26, and uh, had one catch for four yards. That's basically 2.6 yards per carry. I just did the math just right now, it was that quick. Uh, But only getting, first off, only getting 10 carries, and I think that was a product of just getting blown out by the falcons falcons had such a big lead that the vikings had to start throwing the ball earlier than they wanted to really took alexander madison out of the game and then when he did run the ball he just wasn't effective so uh, really disappointing it's one of those things where i was pretty confident in alexander madison actually the only other time i can i was this confident in a running back that produced so little was probably that uh, daryl henderson uh a couple weeks ago, where he didn't get much volume. Uh, Yeah, it's just a a tough go for Alexander Madison, and all I can say is Dalvin Cook better be uh, getting back soon for this Vikings offense, because it looks atrocious without him. (laughs) Our receiver ghost of the week, it was... Not as bad as a running back ghost of the week. There was definitely one that uh, I expected bigger things from in the in the matchup. And that will be our number three ghost of the week. It's Julian Edelman versus Denver. Was targeted six times, had two catches for eight yards. And I was worried if Cam Newton didn't play how Edelman would do. But with Cam Newton playing as much as he targets Edelman, I thought it was a, a lock that Edelman would have a pretty big game. He did not. He had far from a big game. He only had eight yards at home at uh, Gillette Stadium. And yeah, just uh, a tough go for Julian Edelman. Denver's battered and bruised secondary held up and, and did a fantastic job in this one. Really limited the Patriots offense. And yeah, I, I don't have anything more to say. It was uh Edelman was a non-factor and was pretty much invisible this week. Marvin Jones is my number two ghost of the week. And this is becoming an every week occurrence for Marvin Jones. He's uh, disappearing for most of the season. But uh, against Jacksonville, he was targeted five times. Had two catches for eight yards. And, you know, this was a great matchup that I thought maybe Marvin Jones, if he was going to bounce back, this would be the week. And... I guess that week will never come because I don't know how it's going to get easier than this. And Marvin Jones is just not doing it. I don't know if he's hurt or what's going on, but complete opposite of the Marvin Jones that we saw last season. And uh, I I can't figure it out. I don't know what is going on with Marvin Jones. Uh, If somebody knows, please tell me because I would like to know. It's uh, pretty disheartening. My number one ghost of the week is Juju Smith-Schuster versus Cleveland the Steelers didn't pass the ball a lot, Smith-Schuster was targeted four times, had two catches for six yards, and, you know, Smith-Schuster is another one where his season, you, you know, he had that first week, and you're like, all right, Smith-Schuster's back, he's going to have a going to have a big game or a big season, you know, good for Juju, all he needed was Roethlisberger, and then after that first game, he really hasn't done anything, uh, you know, you, you saw flashes of Deontay Johnson, who's getting targets like crazy when he plays. Chase Claypool's had two amazing games in a row. James Washington is is making appearances and and being efficient. And for whatever reason, I don't know if the other team's just focusing on on Juju, trying to take him out of the game. Uh, But at this point, with all those other weapons, you'd think that they would start uh, just trying to stop those and uh, try to have Juju beat them because... Uh, He's not doing anything this season, and uh, he just made our number one ghost of the week. It's uh, been really unfortunate. Tight end ghosts of the week. This one kind of breaks my heart because we have two tight ends on this list that I thought was going to have big weeks. And starting off our number three ghost is Mark Andrews at Philadelphia was targeted four times had two catches for 21 yards and I you know Eagles are horrible at defending the tight end I just thought the stars aligned that Mark Andrews was going to have another big week he didn't he didn't have a big week at all and now I'm starting to worry about Mark Andrews a little bit because he came in only having one big week so far this year and uh, it's been more of a non-factor than you know, being a, a factor. And he was one of those tight ends that you can just play at will and he'd produce. And he's kind of a scary play right now. And it's unfortunate. Uh, you know, it's a long season. It's only been the first six weeks of the, the year. Hoping it turns around a little bit for Mark Andrews because they're definitely not getting the, the as much production from their receivers. Although Hollywood Brown, you know, he scored a touchdown week five. Uh, he's definitely doing better and getting more targets, so we'll see how that transpires. but you know they need Mark Andrews to step up if uh, they need to have that uh, that offense that was dominating everyone at the beginning of the season. Eric Ebron is my number two ghost of the week versus Cleveland. All you hear about is how bad Cleveland is at defending the tight end. Eric Ebron was the tight end at, for Pittsburgh. This is the second week in a row where he had a great matchup against the tight end and, and just didn't do anything. He was targeted four times, had two catches for nine yards. So uh, Eric Ebron not getting it done. I guess it doesn't matter when you're winning, but definitely he is a risky play at this point in any format uh, because you just don't know what you're going to get from him at this point. My number one, and by a wide mile, he's our number one, Mike Kosicki. I thought he was going to have a great game against the Jets jets give up yards and targets to the tight end he was targeted twice totally goose egged if you're goose egged and you're supposed to have a big game you're totally the number one ghost of the week in all formats and mike isicky just pulled off that feat so uh really disappointed in you mike isicky i don't have anything to say because you were pretty much invisible you were a ghost so uh you know, maybe uh, better things are in store for you next week. It's Park and Mrs. Pickups of the Week! Let's get started. And this is probably everyone's favorite part of the show because this is where we make the recommendations to you know, who to pick up off the waiver wire for the upcoming week. And I like to approach the waiver wire, not like who I can fill in this week to help me win. We we do recommend some of those, but most of our ads are for people down the road that could be in, in a spot to be beneficial for your roster long term. So we try to balance out the two, and we have a pretty good go of it. Um, you know, last week we Travis Fulgham after his breakout week, he came back with 70 yards and a touchdown. Chase Claypool after his breakout week uh, had another rushing touchdown and and got 60 yards receiving. And uh, especially with the tight end position, we recommended Irv Smith, got about almost 70 yards, and looks like he'll be getting more and more targets in the future. And then Trey Burton was one of the top tight ends of the week. You know, he had two touchdowns. So saying uh, with everyone that we're recommending right now, I feel pretty good that we're ahead of the curve a little bit. And when we're not, you know, we're obviously recommending to uh, people to you right away, And uh, having said all this and explaining the whole process, number three pickup of the week is Baker Mayfield at Cincinnati. And I know what you're thinking. I just spent the last segment, you know, as him being one of our ghosts of the week and ripping on him and the offensive line. But the Bengals aren't the Steelers. And this is the second time they're playing the Bengals. The last time was a shootout. They're going back and forth, a lot of passing yards to be had. And... I think this is kind of a redemption for Baker Mayfield. He seems to play better after he plays really bad. And if, you know, you have a quarterback on a bye week, uh, this could be a, a good, you know, quick one week stream that you can plug him into your lineup and get decent results because of the matchup. My number two is Carson Wentz. And I say Carson Wentz because there's probably a lot of people that have dropped him by now, and he's out there in waiver wire land, but he's playing the New York Giants on Thursday night and short week, not a lot of time to prepare. I know everybody's injured. I know Ertz is not going to play for about three to about three weeks. Miles Sanders is going to miss this game, but it doesn't matter. The the Eagles are finding people. People are coming out of the woodworks, you know, they're, Grabbing people off the off the out of the stands and and they're getting stats for the Eagles. So there's still Fulgham there if Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey finally come back from their injuries, that's a decent receiving core. And and Dallas Goddard he is supposed to be coming back at tight end. So I I don't think he miss a beat with Ertz because I think Goddard's been the better tight end this year. So there's potential for Carson Wentz to have a, a pretty good game this week. And uh, Giants defense is a little bit. Uh, underrated. I think they're better than what people give them credit for. But I just like Carson Wentz in this one, and I I think he can be really productive. I think the big factor is if the offensive line can block for him. So he's definitely worth taking a flyer on, and if you have a bye week with your quarterback, I think he's a good plug-in option. My number one, this is a long-term thing to kind of stash on your bench and get ready for when it happens, but it's Sean Mannion. The Oregon State product, he plays for the Vikings, he is the backup quarterback, and if Kirk Cousins keeps throwing interceptions, he's not going to be the starting quarterback very long, and uh, he had a horrible game last week with a, a good matchup, and overall the season, Kirk Cousins hasn't been very good, so Sean Mannion, I think, is just primed for an opportunity to, to go in there and kind of right the ship in, in regards to their passing game and we'll, we'll see how it plays out you know I think it it's a kind of a challenge for Mike Zimmer on uh, Kirk Cousins to kind of get his act straight and I think he'll respond well to it but if he doesn't it'd be nice to have that quarterback that's throwing to Adam Thielen and uh, Justin Jefferson and Herb Smith now for that matter so definitely uh, it, it's kind of you're playing chess with this uh, pickup, waiting uh, in case there's a you know, the Vikings make a move. At running back, our number three pickup of the week is JD McKissick for the Redskins. And I almost put him in there last week, but I needed to see more. Didn't know if it was just the game plan of, of that week. But I'm starting to really notice that they're he's a part of the passing game. He he's getting touches. It's really starting to become a, a big split between him and Antonio Gibson. And I don't like it, but I also don't like to deny what my eyes are showing me. And JD McKissick's a, a bigger part of this Redskins offense than we think. And I'm going to be honest in general, it's been a tough go at running back for waiver wire pickups for the last two or three weeks now. And, you know, if you can get somebody that's, you know, 50, 60 yards potential for a touchdown. That's worth stashing on your bench at this point at running back, because that's where we're at. And uh, J.D. McKissick is the, the one to get in that regard. I, my number two is Le Michael Perrine from the Jets, uh, the brother of Samaja Perrine, I believe. They used to play for the Redskins a couple years ago. And Le'Veon Bell, as you heard, was traded to the Chiefs. Or actually not traded. He was released and went to the Chiefs. So LaMichael Perrine is going to fill that role. You know, they have Frank Gore there. Frank Gore is still going to be Frank Gore. But Frank Gore is never going to be the guy anymore that gets all the majority of the carries. So that's going to be split up with LaMichael Perrine. And I get it. It's the Jets. So it doesn't matter who that back is or anyone for that matter. But, uh, the, you know, they're a horde offense. But although they are a horrid offense, I don't think I still think there's some matchup games where Perrine might be a decent start. So definitely worth having on your bench for those occasions, especially with the bye weeks coming up. Uh, my number one pickup at running back is Boston Scott for the Eagles. Miles Sanders is hurt. He's not going to play. They're playing the Giants. Now I get Boston Scott's not going to get all the volume that Miles Sanders got. But I think he's the best bet to, you know, get you 60 yards and a touchdown. And uh, when he's getting, he's definitely going to get the receiving volume. So I like that, and especially in this matchup this week. And, you know, if Miles Sanders does come back after this week, you still might want to hold on to him to make sure that Miles Sanders is all the way back because this is the second time Miles Sanders has been dealing with an injury. So uh, Mike uh, boston Scott. You know you can start him this week, hold on to him to see if uh, Miles Sanders is indeed back, and uh, if that's the case you can drop him, but definitely could be a good play this week against this New York Giants uh, defense on on Thursday night. At wide receiver my number 3 pickup is Denzel Mims from the Jets and he's my pickup this week because he's on IR and he could be coming off on Sunday to play in the game, and when uh, brashad perriman's coming back and you know you have Jamison crowder there i think denzel mims actually makes a pretty okay receiving core at this point and again it's the jets so it's uh you never can be confident with drafting or using jets weapons in any format but denzel mims is a he was a, a top 10 receiver in the draft uh, even though he slipped a little bit. And he's just he's a really tall threat, and uh, Jets could really use him. It's, it's time to, you know, with them being 0-6, probably soon to be 0-7, it's a good chance to see what they got in the rookie wide receiver. And uh, down the road, it, it really could benefit you to have him on your roster because they'll probably be giving him a lot of targets uh, to, to catch up to the uh the NFL action so we'll see it's kind of my prediction but uh it's it's definitely worth a shot at this point in the season especially if you're struggling at receiver my number two is Preston Williams for the Dolphins I kind of left him for dead really liked Isaiah Ford and Isaiah Ford you know his production has been about the same it it was when I was talking about Isaiah Ford but Preston Williams is you know coming along a lot better recently the last two games uh, he's been targeted a lot more. He, you know, has a touchdown, and the way Ryan Fitzpatrick's throwing the ball and the confidence that he's throwing the ball, I am back on the Preston Williams bandwagon and, and think he could be a decent uh, addition if you have a, you know, you need a flex play and uh, you know you have a bunch of guys on COVID restrictions or or bye weeks. He could be a good uh, good fill-in. My number one is Keelan Cole for the Jaguars and this might be a little bit late because I could have put him in there last week before he had another pretty decent game but he's getting a lot of targets on the other side of DJ Chark and he's been more productive than DJ Chark you know Chark only had 40 something yards Cole these last couple weeks has been you know getting 90 and above yards and, and touchdowns on top of that so If you have Keelan Cole and you've been playing him, you're pretty happy. And he's kind of flying under the radar because he keeps producing. And, you know, there's these other intriguing options for pickups. But uh, I don't think there's a bigger intriguing option this week more than Keelan Cole at this point. Like, I can't just ignore him anymore. So I I need to put him on the list to pick him up. And uh, this is the week I'm doing it. He he might not be available in your league. Someone might have noticed how well inconsistent he's been playing. But uh, if he's out there, he would be my number one. Going to tight end, this is, uh, yeah. There's, I, I actually have four. In, oh, uh, well, I have three. So let's uh, go to the three. Darren Fells is my number three for the Texans. He was my fourth person last week, and so he kind of missed the cut. I'm not going to make him miss the cut this week. As long as Jordan Aikens is out with a concussion, Darren Fells need to be on your roster and potentially played. Uh, When he does play, he he does better than Aikens. And uh, Aikens doesn't do horrible, so I'm not trying to rip on Aikens by any means. But Darren Fells is just such a big target. And, you know, he had 80 yards and a touchdown last week. And with the Texans and their need to pass the ball, because they're always playing from behind, he's uh, going to continue to be a really good option at tight end for your fantasy football team. So you, you need to pick him up, again, as long as Jordan Aikens is out with that concussion, and uh, you'll, you'll definitely reap the rewards for it. My number two is Anthony Ferkser for the Titans, and I have him on there because we kind of talked about it earlier, Janu Smith is hurt. Not sure how long. That tight end position for the Titans is valuable. They target it a lot. They use it in a lot of their play actions. And if Janu Smith is hurt, Furkser's a great option to have in there to play. So, um, get him pay attention to Janu Smith's injury and you know, if it's multiple weeks, you can have a, a pretty solid tight end that gives you tight end one production for, you know, two to four weeks. So let's see uh let's see how that injury with Janu Smith is. My number one, and this is kind of like the Denzel Mims uh recommendation, it's Dallas Goddard for the Eagles. You know he gets targets, you know he gets end zone targets. He scores a lot of touchdowns. Carson Wentz likes to go to him. He's coming back from injury right when Zach Ertz is lost to injury. So I think that increases his volume, and Dallas Goddard's going to be a great play at tight end for the Eagles, and he's you know someone that a lot of people aren't talking about because he's been on the IR, but uh, as soon as he gets off, it'd be nice to already have him on your roster, and I think he's definitely worth investing in IR slot four or uh, a waiver-wire priority four, sorry, <laughs> since he's coming off the IR slot. Uh, especially if you've been playing the the game of, you know, which tight end should I start this week and, and trying to go through the waiver wire doing it. Um, you've probably been losing at, at that. And uh, just because the tight end production the last couple of weeks has, has been pretty bad. So go with Dallas Goddard. And uh, I, I guarantee that uh, it'll definitely change your tight end position for the uh, the rest of the season. And there you have it. Those are our pickups for this week. And I'm gonna be honest; it's kind of slim pickings at this point, uh, unless things start turning around dramatically. Uh, th- th- there's not a lot of options out there for uh, for pickups to your to your fantasy football roster right now. Yay! And here's the segment where we go over some of our picks from the previous week, week six pre- uh, week six predictions, and man. It's always tough because, of course, we're going to focus on more of the misses than the hits. Um, I don't like to talk too much about the hits because that's why I recommend them to you is because they're going to be hits, right? So um, overall against the spread, I was 7-7, seven and seven, which is 500. And I'll take it, 500, wanted to do better. I'll do better this week. I, I'm liking some of these matchups and feeling good about uh, what I'm going to do. So I think we'll... Be over 500 for this week. Overall, stars of the week. I had Patrick Mahomes, Matthew Stafford, and Kyler Murray at quarterback. Patrick Mahomes was 11th. Kyler Murray was close. I mean, I had him at third. He was fourth. So not not too bad on that call. And Matthew Stafford was 21. So I doubled down on Matthew Stafford. Told you to pick him up on the waiver wire for his matchup this week thought he'd excel then I said he was going to be one of the stars of the week and he wasn't and that uh, definitely is one I'd like to have back because I I still to this day if I saw this matchup this week I would still be high on Matthew Stafford performing and he just didn't perform so disappointing at running back it, my three stars and I'm pretty proud of myself. Number one, I had Derrick Henry versus the Texans. Said that uh, he was going to have a monster game. And he did. He had the best game. So uh, it was a good call on my part. You know, I was high on Ezekiel Elliott and almost picked him and didn't. And thank God because he had a horrible game against the Cardinals. Fumbled twice. uh, Very un-Ezekiel Elliott-like. So my number two was James Robinson. My three was Alexander Madison. I don't want to talk about it too much on those two because James Robinson was 13th. So, still starting, you know, right around that running back one, running back two uh, output, you know, the way, you know, his production was in line with that. Um, definitely not a top three, though. Uh, so, I'd like to do better in that regard. And then I don't want to talk about Alexander Madison. He, man, shouldn't even. Be on the list. Uh, He's not even in the top. Maybe he's in the top fifty. I don't know. He's forty fourth. So you expect the guy to be top three, and he's forty (laughs) four. You know, he was our ghost of the week for a reason, and uh, you you, you don't like to see it, and it doesn't feel good on a prediction like that. So wide receiver wise, I had uh, Calvin Ridley and. I thought he was going to have a big game. Julio Jones kind of took away what I thought uh, Calvin Ridley was going to do, which was score. You know, you don't predict Julio Jones to score. You do for Calvin Ridley, and the opposite happened. I had A.J. Brown, which wasn't, wasn't a bad pick. I mean, he was just outside the top three. He was at number five, so that was a good call. And I had DeAndre Hopkins, and that was a really bad call. And I'll be honest, I was really confident about DeAndre Hopkins against this Dallas Cowboys secondary. And, you know, he had one decent play. Other than that, he was pretty quiet all night. And, uh, yeah. uh, But I can't complain about having two top ten guys, you know, on my top three prediction, especially with the, the amount of receivers that are out there. At tight end, I nailed the first one. The other two, not so much. So, I had Travis Kelsey, Janu Smith, and Evan Ingram. Travis Kelsey, as you know, had a the the best tight end performance of the week. So, nailed Derrick Henry, nailed Travis Kelsey. Feel pretty good about that. Travis Kelsey had two touchdowns, and Janu Smith. I, I kind of feel like my heart was in the right direction on this one because he got hurt and didn't even finish the game. Anthony Furkser came in and finished the game for him and proceeded to be the third overall tight end of the week. So, that would have been Janu Smith. And with Janu Smith's talent, maybe he sneaks in that number 2 discussion, who knows, but I'm I I'm not too bad at or not too sorry about that one because it it was the tight end of the Tennessee Titans that uh, had a top 3 performance. So, I mean, what, 2 out of 3? I I kind of want to take credit for that one. Um but yeah, the uh the other pick, Evan Ingram was just I was like, this is it. This is his chance to prove all the doubters wrong, finally have a huge performance, be a top 3 tight end, the one, you know, the performance we've been waiting for, and he came in 26th. So how bad was 26th? Richard Rodgers for the Eagles came like was just right above him. Zach Ertz who was hurt, uh, he got hurt and didn't finish the game. He was above him. Um, yeah, there's Jason Kroon from Philadelphia was above him. Just uh, not a good day for Evan Ingram. Uh, I don't know what to to say about Evan Ingram at this point. He was probably a top five tight end that you drafted uh, when you drafted him. And he hasn't came anywhere near uh, anywhere meeting expectations. So it's like one of those things like, what do you do? Do you drop him? Do you you know get another tight end on your, on your roster until he figures it out? And that's probably what I would do because I'd like Evan Ingram. He's a talented tight end. Uh, he definitely has shown that he can be, uh, you know, he can produce and, and be a good weapon but he hasn't figured it out yet in this offense this season and he's too talented to just cut ties with him. Uh the best pivot to make would be probably to pick up another tight end and uh play him un- until Evan Ingram figures it out. And I get that uh it's almost halfway through the season, but I'd give it another couple weeks and then towards like week 10 or what around that area if he hasn't figured it out then cut ties at that point, but yeah, it's, it doesn't feel good if you have him on your roster and you're, you're not feeling good about him at this point. Who do I start this week? What's the point spread? What are the injuries? Should I bench this guy? I don't know what to do man I just hope I win the Burke and Ms. The Wiz Montalban weekly preview starting now our Thursday night game is kind of doesn't really get me excited. It's the New York Giants at Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are favored by 6.5 points, and even with all the injuries the Eagles are facing, my, you know they're not going to have Miles Sanders, they're not going to have Zach Ertz. I am still picking the Eagles to win by 6.5 points. And I'll say this because I've been impressed with the amount of injuries. They hung in there against Pittsburgh, they hung in there against Baltimore. They're, they're probably the best one-win team uh, I can think of right now. So I, I don't expect the Giants to go into Philadelphia and, and beat this team and I, I think it's going to be more than a touchdown at this uh, at this point, especially on the short week. In regards to who you're starting and who you're sitting, Daniel Jones, you're starting him. Daniel Jones is actually a good play against this Philadelphia defense. There's a lot of injuries on this Philadelphia Eagles defense and they give up a lot of air yards and Daniel Jones still hasn't came around like we've wanted him to but i definitely thought he played better last week and this might be the game that uh he he looks efficient finally and when i say start i think he'll be you know top 12 13 quarterback i think he's right on the edge this week and you know i definitely don't think he's going to be a top play by any means but He'll uh, he'll be good enough to be in that 12 to 13 range. Uh, Boston Scott, you're starting him just because the Giants are atrocious at defending the running back position, especially with the, uh, the receiving. I I like Boston Scott and uh, Corey Clement. I put on there too because he's going to get a lot of the carries. So that two-headed monster, one of them I think has a, a pretty productive day, at least a top 24 day and I just like Boston Scott a little bit more because he's getting those receiving yards and and, and those receiving targets. Darius Slayton, definitely starting him. This is a great matchup. He should have a really big day, Uh, so keep riding the Darius Slayton train from a couple weeks ago. I think he continues it right through Philadelphia, so you're starting him for sure. Golden Tate, I get it. He hasn't done anything all year. He has good matchups and doesn't do anything, Still rolling him out there, and uh, the matchup is good. So I just think he's going to come around one of these games, and we're going to regret that we didn't have him in there. And uh, having said that, though, it definitely is matchup dependent, but this is one of those matchups that you kind of are dependent on. So put him in there for this one. Travis Fulgham. Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson. Basically, who's ever playing receiver for the Eagles, play them. They're a good start, and they should produce. I, I like If Jeffrey plays, I like him the best. Uh, if Fogum plays, he's been you know, pretty consistent, so I like him. And Deshaun Jackson, he's going to be uh, hit or miss for your team. He's either going to have a great game, or he's not going to do anything. So uh, I like him a little bit less, but he's definitely still a play. And then Evan Ingram. You know, stop me if you've heard this before. A- Evan Ingram has a good matchup. You should be playing him, and uh, he should be getting you points. Doesn't mean he will, he's proven that he doesn't. But nonetheless, it's a great play, and stat wise, he should be a top 12 tight end and should be in your starting lineup. Sitting, you're sitting Carson Wentz. For whatever reason, the Giants can't defend the wide receiver position. Wide receivers get a lot of points. But quarterbacks don't necessarily get a lot of points against this Giants defense. So uh, take that for whatever you will. Uh, but Carson Wentz needs to be on your bench. Devonta Freeman, don't like the matchup. The Eagles defensive line is still their strong point. And on top of being their strong point, they have a lot of talent along that defensive line. So they can stop the run. And Devonta Freeman you know, had a great game last week. Or I shouldn't say great. He had a good game last week. And he also had a great matchup last week. This is not a good matchup. And the Giants haven't proven that they can run the ball when they face good run stuffing defenses. And then Dallas Goddard. He was one of my pickups. He was my number one pickup at tight end for the week. But in this situation, this is a really bad matchup against this Giants defense. So I would be sitting him in this one. I don't think the... uh, the Eagles are going to be getting a lot of production from the tight end position this week. But, yeah, overall, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to this game in regards to I, I want to see that progression from Daniel Jones. He's looked pretty mediocre this year. I think that will change. Uh, and uh, I'm looking at Carson Wentz, too, that you know, when he get, finally has some weapons around him, you wonder when that's going to be because it's like he, you get someone back, you get two people back, you lose two people. And he's never had that full repertoire in regards to offensive linemen, receivers, running backs. And I, I, I don't think Carson Wentz is playing necessarily that bad with what he's what he has to work with. So we'll see when they're, they're playing kind of an inferior opponent if the uh, that Eagles offense can get rolling. Because every week they're looking better and better uh, to me. And that's saying something, especially they're like the Steelers of last year, where the you know the Steelers lost Roethlisberger. Uh, the Steelers were winning, especially early on, and you didn't know how they were winning without Roethlisberger. This is how I feel about the Eagles. Like you know, they're not winning necessarily, but they're playing well with all these injuries that they they have, and you're uh, it keeps looking like they're going to turn the corner, and I, I think the Eagles do finally in this one, and uh, the uh, with how bad that division is. I mean, if they can just hang out for a little bit, they potentially could end up being the best team in the, uh, the NFC East, uh, although that's not saying anything. You just listened to the Burke and Ms. the Wiz Montalban fantasy football podcast. We are done for the day. So thank you for listening. Rate us, review us, and we'll see you Thursday. Take care.